Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. The last podcast that I did on Your Daily Drive Network was a Christian perspective on a presidential election, and it got quite a few reads, and it's still circulating out there, still having that shelf life, which I appreciate you all reading and appreciate you sharing as well. And typically, the cycle of one of these podcasts runs a little more than a week, and then it continues to go up after that. But the big thrust is about a week, and that one's going pretty strong. And so I thought that I would do another one on politics and election. This will be different, but yet it's in the same genre, because in the States here, we are in that spot. And I just, I hope that I can provoke you in the kindest way to to just give some thought as to who you're going to vote for, how you're going to vote. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I just want to lay out some thoughts that I hope that it will, will help you to formulate some ideas or maybe give you ways to think about that you're struggling with because there is no question that this is a volatile and caustic culture that we are living in, not just in the States, but it is global. And a lot of it has to do with the internet, with cyberspace, because we are a smaller community and the things that we may have said out loud 50 years ago, (laughs) if a man's in the forest and he says something and there's no one there to hear him, well, nobody hears him, but we're not in the forest alone any longer. We're really next door in a cyber way to everybody, and unfortunately, because of human depravity, it has intensified and amplified a lot of anger and hostility on both sides, whether it's conservative or not. And so I want to do a podcast on election. You could tie it to connect it with the last one, and if you want to read my views on politics, you're welcome to do that. These two articles will help you. The title of this one is, Who Are You Voting For as President This November? And again, this applies to the states in the United States. You're welcome to read this if you wish. And as always, I would love it if you would share my articles with other people and so that they could benefit from them as well. I haven't shared a testimony in a while, but I received a powerful one a few days ago from a lady in Alaska named Nancy. She put it on on the public Uh, one of our social uh, media platforms, and it made its way to me, and I remember Nancy very well. And I just want to share with you what the Lord has been doing in her life over the past couple of years. I I think that we met about three years ago. I've had a couple of trips to Alaska for uh, conferences, and I think this one may have been three years ago, something like that. Nancy said, a friend invited me to come hear you speak very soon after my husband had left for another woman. We were married for 30 years. I was very raw emotionally, wounded, and in a daze. You took the time after speaking to talk with me. Now, I remember Nancy, I mean, you can think zombie, uh, that might help to just to get a, 
an idea of what her countenance was like. And for me, it was like looking in the mirror because I had been in that comatose state before uh, when a very similar thing happened to me some 30 years ago, a little more than 30 years ago. And, and as I've said in other podcasts, it's really hard to explain the devastation, the power, the confusion. As she says, I was raw, emotionally wounded, and dazed. And, and that is an excellent way of describing it. And I do remember her in that state. And it was very sad. And so I spoke with her after the teaching event for that particular evening. I believe it was a Monday evening. She goes on to say, I've absorbed most of what you said in your presentation and afterward, and I was encouraged that I could have a future somehow. It took me a couple of years, but I finally headed or finally healed enough that I can look toward, some, toward tomorrow with hope. I have grown immensely in my spiritual life with my Savior being more at the center of all I am than ever before. I appreciate your ministry and the truth you serve with love. The speaking engagement was at Soldotna Bible Chapel in Soldotna, Alaska, and she signed it, Nancy. Nancy, I do remember you. And it's not, it's more rare than not for people to write back and, and respond after some interaction of, of what the Lord had been doing in their life. And and that's why this one is is so encouraging to me personally, but it is a powerful testimony of the grace of God in Nancy's life, and I wanted to share that with you. And I do want you to know that those of you who uh, are loyal and love our ministry and appreciate what we're doing, I want you to hear that feedback as well, because it's not only is it important for our team to know <laughs> that God is using our ministry, but I think it's important uh, to you as well, and I hope that you have found encouragement. And Nancy, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, you made my week. You didn't just make my day. You made my week, and I want you to know that several of our team members have expressed a, a mutual encouragement as well by your kind words. And so thank you so much for taking the time to actually write how things are a couple of years later. Thank you so much, Nancy. Now, this podcast and the accompanying article on the website, who are you voting for as president this November? I'm doing this podcast on leap year, uh, February 2020. The presidential election will be uh, early November of 2020. This presidential election cycle is my 16th. Now, I'll save you the trouble. I am, I'll be 61 years old this year. And so, yes, I'm officially old and I've gone through 16 or I'm about to go through 16 uh, presidential election cycles. We're obviously in the middle of one now. Now, admittedly, the first one, I do not remember. It was 1960. I was one year old. I was born on Cinco de Mayo. Uh, May 5, and so let's see, in 59, so that would have put me about a year and, you know, maybe five months old <laughs> when we elected President uh, John F. Kennedy in 1960. But I do remember the second one in 1964, but I had no opinion about that matter. It was Lyndon Johnson, and, well, actually, I did have an opinion. Uh, I, I was a sentimentalist and didn't know anything about anything. I was uh, six years old, I suppose. 
but he had he had taken the place of of Kennedy, as as you all know that Kennedy was assassinated, I believe, on November the twenty twenty second of nineteen sixty three, and I do remember that as well. And then President uh, Johnson, Lyndon Johnson, was uh, sworn into office on the airplane as he was making his way back to D.C. But the rest of them, I do remember, and I've had varying views depending on my awareness of what is happening and also my spiritual condition. Uh, The Lord regenerated me when I was 25 years old. Uh, That would have been 1984, uh, right about the time that uh, President Reagan was uh, being voted in for a second term. And so my views, you could say, have gone from from nothing and to growing ignorance as an unregenerate person because I didn't have a biblical filter. And then in 84, another kind of evolution began to take place as I began to grow in understanding spiritually and being able to see things with biblical clarity. But the question is always, who should we elect as our next president and, and I would say that, that few cycles have been as troubling as this presidential election cycle. You could say the last two have been the most troubling. And as an older person who has a macro view of a presidential election, I will say that it is fair to say that the, the previous 14 combined do not equal the the caustic intensity of 2016 and now 2020. Regardless of the side that you're on, the whole country is equally passionate and equally distraught over what might happen to us over the next few years. In fact, you could say what has been happening to us over the past 10 years or so, and then as we look into the future that we have no awareness over, but it would be so easy to anticipate and feel immense anxiety about what could happen based on the most recent historical past. But I think it's fair to say that you could take the last two presidential cycles, and they're more intense, more caustic than the previous 14 altogether combined that I have experienced. Now, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican or if you take an independent position. You are some combination of stressed, frustrated, passionate, hopeful, confused. Pick your top two descriptors that I've just listed to you. I'm sure that they're in your top five, and I'm also sure that There are other descriptors that are itching, that you're itching to add to that list. Go for it. But whatever it is, uh, you feel the intensity, the anxiety, the frustration, and whatever words you want to use. The consensus is that whoever the top two candidates will be, they will not be everyone's preferred candidates. But it is the result of where we are as a nation now, how we got here has been speculated and debated ad nauseum. And honestly, in one sense, it doesn't matter any longer how we got here. I mean, we want to learn from history, obviously. And there are some things to glean so that we don't repeat them. And this is one of the things, honestly, I'm not even sure we're in a place to glean because we're not, as I listen to young people talk, 
that, that they have no clue about our history and they don't know how, they don't know how we got here and they don't know why this is so much better our lifestyle and the way things are here in the states than they were 30 years and 40 and 50 years ago and you just keep going back and it's unfortunate that they don't have this historical understanding and don't even seem to care. And they have ideas that aren't really connected to anything that's sound. But we are here. And we are heading toward an inevitable outcome in November. And apart from a stunning, out-of-left-field act of God, it's either going to be a flaming socialist as our president, a left-wing progressive, that's different, as our president, or Donald Trump. Those are your three choices. Now, you have four possible voting options when the voting day rolls around. Number one, you can vote for a socialist. Or maybe pull that out and say you can vote for a left-wing progressive. And so you'll vote for one of those two. Or you can vote for Donald Trump. And again, apart from a stunning, out-of-left-field act of God, this is the lineup. And so you can vote for a socialist or a left-wing progressive. I'm not sure who's going to fill that slot. But those seems to, those two seem to be one of those two. Or you can vote for Donald Trump. You can vote for a third-party candidate, whoever that may be. Or you don't vote at all. Those are your four options. Now, opinions about these options are flying through Twitterverse every second of every day. And they're flying through every other social media platform as well. For those of you who don't use Twitter, but you have seen, you have heard the noise. And this cyber phenomenon, it will continue. Even after all this is over in November, we do have enough history to know that this will never die. It's the world in which we live. Now, some say there are no good options. And yet the ones they make a case for, they want to footnote. There are reasons for voting for their candidate. And I'm pretty much in that camp. There aren't any really great options. And then if I shared the one that I will vote for, you know, we, there's this temptation to want a footnote and caveat <laughs> and, and give 14 justifications, rationalizations for why I voted for that candidate, but it, it just speaks to the types of candidates that we have. Nobody can make a strong biblical case for any of them. Now, per perhaps you can pull a couple of biblical planks from their platform, and, and you can say, well, well, at least they believe in fill-in-the-blank. Options three and four. Options three and four is a third party candidate or you don't vote at all, uh, that's noncommittal. It can be noncommittal. And if you, if you vote for a third party candidate, well, they're not going to make it. They never have. And they're not going to make it this time. If you don't vote at all, either one of those options will place you on the sideline while leaving the decision to those who will pick between options one and two. Now, I do want you to listen to me, especially if you're, you're idealistic and uh, you're optimistic and you're young and, and you think somebody besides those first two are going to win. I'm not pessimistic. I've never been a pessimistic person. I'm an optimistic person. But the truth is, it's either going to be a socialist or a left-wing progressive, 
or it's going to be Donald Trump. And that is it. And so if you choose to vote for a third-party candidate, it's your choice. You're free to do that. Go for it. If you don't want to vote at all, that's your choice. You're free to do that. Go for it. But you will be sitting on, I'm just saying factually, you'll be sitting on the sideline leaving the decision to the folks who will pick between the first two options. Now, I suppose if you voted for three or four, you could at least say, well, I didn't vote for fill in the blank, so it's not my fault. I'm not sure how you could make yourself feel better about that other than pretending that you have risen above those who voted for the eventual winner, whoever that may be, but you would still be a loser in your book. If the winner is a loser, you will be a loser too, meaning whoever the president is, and you didn't vote for either one, and that president is a loser. Well, that makes you a loser too like the rest of us. It's like standing on the sinking Titanic Titanic, and saying, well, I told you something bad was going to happen. Well, good for you and all of your cynicism. Are you ready to die? We all will be a loser. Now, one thing that rings ironic about this presidential cycle is how similar it is to the last two in 2008 with Obama and, and 2016. In 2008, many people agreed that Obama's election had more to do with voting for an idea than for Obama, Obama's values. The idea was having a black, pres, a black person as a president of the United States. That was an emotional vote for many black Americans. The truth is, no black person had ever sniffed such a reality as being the president of, a United, of the United States. And as the election drew near and the possibility seemed likely, the momentum was unassailable. It was an emotional, reactionary vote as much as anything. We will overcome. I mean, you could just pretty much hear this being said. We will overcome and... And this is the most profound way we can demonstrate that we will overcome by electing a black man into office. And so it was reactionary voting. It was emotional voting. And it makes sense to me. I understand that. The pent-up black person who, who has had someone in their family lineage legitimately oppressed for hundreds of years. I mean, nobody in America living today has, has really experienced that. Especially, I mean, if they're under 50 or 60 years old, we all have experienced hardship. But I'm talking about true, legitimately oppressed, horrific things that have happened to black people historically. And so it, virtually every black person has someone in their lineage who has been legitimately oppressed. And, and they had the possibility of, of having one of their own as the leader of the United States. I mean, that would tempt any person to to kick clarity into neutral and vote emotionally rather than thinking through what it really means to, to change the freest country ever created fundamentally. And, of course, that's what Obama said. That was a part of his speech that he would fundamentally change the freest country in America, which is an odd thing to say. But if you're not really paying attention to what that means and you're really focused on the, the emotionality of it and the fact that we could have a black person elected, I mean, I understand that. But when I talk to random black people, and I do this all the time, 
I mean, I do this all the time. When I talk to, in fact, I was doing this just a couple of days ago at a track meet. I spent four hours talking to Billy, uh, a black man that lives here in Greenville, and we talk for a long time. And he is—he's like virtually every other black person I've ever talked to. When you talk about killing preborn babies or LGBTQ plus initiatives or significant government dominance, few of them are pro any of those issues. After they practically understand them and realize how some of these, those emotional matters, those issues, some of those issues I just mentioned, how they will continue to oppress them. What some of these politicians are putting forth are actually oppressive, and it's like these people are voting for people to continue to oppress them. So-called black people, and I say so-called black people like like most people of color in our country, which includes white people, since there's nobody that's truly black or white. I'm a person of color, and so are you. You're not a white person. You're not a black person. Everybody is some shade of, of color, and so we're all people of color. But so-called black people, they're reasonable. They're honestly, it's been my experience, they are reasonable when you talk to them one-on-one. But if your first response is to think emotionally and not factually, then, of course, a black man in the office sounds like a cool idea. As a person of color, me, the shade of a person's skin is irrelevant to me. I'm more concerned with their politics. I really don't care what color their skin is. I am more concerned about their politics. Now, the similarity with our current voting cycle is how conservatives who are, we are the emotional reactionary ones like the black people were during Obama when he was up for election. Up until Trump, we have experienced 20 years of unabated, virtually, liberal legislation and media bias that has propelled many to react by putting forth one of the worst candidates in the history of this country, Donald Trump, before he was elected first time. And if you go back to, to 2015 before he was elected, I mean, we were all perplexed and sitting on the edge of our seats thinking, what in the world are we, we doing? Donald Trump was, was nearly everything that conservatives were not. In a vacuum, in a vacuum, nobody in their right mind would want someone like Donald Trump as their president. But here's the thing. If you pile up everything that is wrong with Donald Trump and put it beside a socialist and a left-wing progressive, you will experience tension like you've never felt before. I mean, even if you hate Donald Trump, you put him beside a socialist or a left-wing progressive. It's an anxiety that has never crossed your mind because nobody would ever come up with such a storyline. Donald Trump may be lying about all the things you care about. I mean, only saying that he's pro this and pro that because that's how you get votes. But what politician in history that, that hasn't pandered to, their, to a base that they wanted to vote for them? But the socialists and the progressive, you know, that's the thing. Donald Trump may be lying about the things that you care about, and he's pandering. But the socialists and the progressive, they aren't lying. They don't like you. They want to, they want to quash you. They want to quash your beliefs. They want to quash your life as you know it if you are a Christian. They want to kill pre-born babies from conception to after they are born. They want to make sure that they have the right Supreme Court justices on the bench to carry out their anti-God mission. They despise Christians and their agendas. Donald Trump may be lying. He may be pandering in his 
pro-conservative values, but the socialist and the left-wing progressive, they are not lying. They want to quash you. They oppose virtually everything you love, and they do not equivocate on those issues. Where Donald Trump is wishy-washy and disingenuous, they are not. They are pro-gay, pro-abortion, pro-government, and anti-Christian. If you're a believer, it means they are anti-you. Left-wing supporters are perplexed as to why anyone would vote for somebody like Donald Trump. I mean, who's not perplexed? If the truth, truth were known, most of the conservative camp agree with left-wing supporters. But the reason left-wingers do not understand the problem is that they're asking the wrong question. It's not, why would anyone vote for Trump? That's not the question. The question is, why would anyone vote for a socialist or a left-wing radical or left-wing radicals who hate America? Trump may be a loose cannon, but the other side is not a loose cannon, and that's the problem. Their guns and their sight lines have a clear target. It's everything that has Christian value associated with it. And so what will you do? If you don't vote, or if you vote for a third-party candidate, you will leave the outcome to everybody else. Number two, if you vote for a left-wing radical, if that is the candidate, you'll continue to support a country that is pushing for and will most certainly legislate non-Christian values. Number three, if you vote for Donald Trump, I have no, <laughs> I have no clue how things would turn out for any of us. Did you think I was going to give you a clear candidate to vote for in this coming election? I, I have always prayed for our country, but I have never prayed the way that I'm praying now. In the past, I would pray while also believing in human responsibility to vote wisely. N now we're at the total mercy of God, as though we weren't before. I get it. Don't send that email, please. But yeah, it's come to that. It's come down to praying and trusting God. Our collective human responsibility to vote has no good options. What will you do? Well, I recommend that you start with this short prayer. You don't have to write it down. You'll remember it. Dear God, have mercy. Amen. And then make your decision. The title of this podcast is, Who Are You Voting For as President This November? I have a few questions here that I would love for you to think about, love for you to interact with. It would be even better if you shared these things with, with somebody that's close to you so that you can talk through it. Here's one question. Are you voting this year? Why or why not? Will you make a case for your decision? You're not voting at all. You're voting for a third-party candidate. You're voting conservative, you're voting non-conservative. But are you voting this year? Why or why not? Will you make a case? Number two, if you do vote, who will it be? And why have you made a case for that person? Number three, how do your Christian values line up with your voting decision? And if you are voting with the person that you're voting for president? How, you, how, how do your Christian values line up with the person that you are voting for president? And then number four, how would you describe your attitude toward this election cycle? Are your thoughts, your attitudes, are your words seasoned with grace? If not, why not? 
If not, what does the heat of this election cycle reveal about you and your relationship with God? You can think of this election cycle like the sun beating down on you in a July on a July day or an August day, and that heat will draw things out of you. Well, that's what this election cycle is. What is the heat of this election cycle? drawing out of you? Are your thoughts and your attitudes and your words seasoned with grace? If not, why not? Question number five, if you need to change anything about your heart and life, what is it and what is your plan to change? Anything pertaining to what I'm talking about here in this podcast. Number six, how do you think, how do you talk about those who do not have your views, the people on the other side of the aisle, whichever side that is. Are you able to disagree with their opinions while respecting them as image bearers? I hope so. Please disagree. Disagree all day long. If you don't agree, you don't agree. Don't be that person who's weak and, and unafraid. Don't, 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 be beholding to the cancel culture or, or, or don't self-sanction yourself uh, because you are afraid that people are going to scold you. But how do you think about those? You disagree with them? How do you think about them? Do you respect them as image bearers? If you would like to talk to our team about this podcast, perhaps you have something else going on on your mind, well, then you're welcome to come to us. We have people who support our ministry, and because of their loyal support, we're able to provide this free service to you. So if you have a question, let's talk. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.